0: Hello and welcome. I'm Alicia. Welcome to everyone in the room today, but also to those of you that are joining us online or watching or listening later in the week. I'm just going to talk through some info for us here today, but for those of you online, a few of these items might not apply, but many of the things that I'll be mentioning, can, uh, they can happen through our website, so check that out. Uh, first, uh, we'd love for all of you to share your information with us. If you've already done so in the past, but you want to update your information with us um, uh, or get our email list, you can do that. um, And I'll explain that in just a moment. But if you are new to Centerway or a guest with us here today, we just want to give you a special welcome. Glad you're here. Um, And we want you to share your info with us as well so that we can follow up with you or get your feedback. There are two ways to share or update your information. First, there's an information card, which you can find um, and fill out at the info booth in the lobby, or you can do it electronically. uh, Through the Uversion app on the screens, there's instructions there. Uh, That app is also useful, by the way, um, during our gathering to follow along, take notes, or even to give. And speaking of giving, You can also give through our website, Um, or there's an offering box um, in the back of the room there if you prefer to give that way. There are lots of other ways to connect and engage with us throughout the week if you'd like. Um, We have wallpapers that you can download for your devices. Uh, You can connect with us on social media. You can download our Spotify playlist and uh, search for Centerway and, and listen to the songs that we sing. Um, You can also sign up and get our um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals uh, available to you. They're also on the website. Just visit the message page of the website to get access to all of those resources. There are always next steps that you can take if you're looking for ways to grow. Uh, Here at CenterWay, we have opportunities for you to serve. You can get spiritually coached. Uh, You can get water baptized or become a CenterWay steward. Uh, Just check out the Next Steps page of our website, uh, or you can go to the Next Steps booth in the lobby um, if you'd like more information to do any of those things. And if you have any questions, have any feedback for us, or any ideas, or if you need prayer, you can um, email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. We actually have three important reminders for you this week. Uh, First, this Saturday, December 11th is the student Christmas party. So look for more details about that fun time for the students on our calendar. Um, You can visit the calendar page of our website for more details there. Uh, Next week, but this one is important, um, also on the calendar page next week, we're still meeting at three o'clock, but we're gonna be meeting in a different location um, just for that one Sunday. So on December 12th, we'll be meeting at a different location. Um, That's already been shared by email or mail, um, but there are some cards on your seats or on a seat next to you um, so that you can just use that reminder and uh, not accidentally come here instead. (laughs) Uh, Third, our Christmas gathering will be Wednesday the 22nd. Uh, Feel free to take uh, extra cards um, that are on the seats to share with your family or your friends and invite them too. Uh, Here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Uh, Priscilla is going to come up and read our scripture for the day. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then we'll respond um, by singing at the end. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for this space to gather in, and thank you for all the people that are here gathered today. Uh, You say that where two or more are gathered you're there gathered with us too thank you for your presence and would you prepare our hearts for the message today would you have your way in this room in jesus name we pray amen
1: good morning everybody uh, my name is priscilla And I will be reading the text for this morning. You can feel free to open your Bibles to Psalm 98, verses 2 and 3. Or you can follow along through the Uversion app or by simply looking up at the screens. Okay. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Joy. Joy has not been my forte. For many years, joy had existed in an unrelatable category of exuberant lightness of heart that results in frolicking, frivolity, and giddiness. It wasn't happiness. It was deeper than that. But real joy, feeling it and even recognizing it, was buried beneath striving to do what's right and attempt to deserve the grace afforded me by Jesus. I've sung and dismissed this carol and the truth in it time and again. But God, in his goodness, did not leave me with my false impressions of joy. The truth that we are saved by the Savior alone and the depths of its implications bring a deep-seated delight, infused with comfort, wrapped in peace, and that is joy. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Our good and faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave his life to make a way to be forever with him, reigns over the circumstances in the world at large, over communities, over families, and over each of us. He reigns, and the resulting joy can pour out in our spheres of influence. As I employ the song of celebration, something amazing happens. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, the wonder of salvation echoes in all of creation. And as it does, we're reminded that we, too, should repeat His goodness. Because the more we repeat it to our own hearts, the more we're filled with truth, the more it overflows. Every golden leaf, every burning sunrise, every stunning landscape is there to point us to our Creator and Savior who reigns. And we get to join in that beautiful chorus, repeating our joy again and again.
2: So good. Appreciate that. Uh, For those of you who don't know, um, we have some uh, amazing people at Centerway that were asked to share some written word and uh, be able to share that on video. And so um, we're doing that throughout this series. And um, we're continuing in our journey through Psalm 98. And Psalm 98... uh, Inspired the the song Joy to the World. And so that's part of the correlation there, like I said, in case you haven't been here in previous weeks. And um, I just want to also reiterate one more time that next week, next Sunday, we will be at a different location. Um, This location is reserved for another event. So if you show up here accidentally, you'll see cars and you might walk in and it will not be us. If that happens, tell me, because I really want to get a kick out of it. But I would actually prefer you to be at the church with us in Menden. So uh, if you're able to make it, we would love to see you that week. Um, next week, sorry. Uh, we continue in our Wonder series, and today is entitled The Mission. Um, Wonder Mission having wonder in the context of mission. Uh, I've had the opportunity to help uh, coach some of my kids' teams, and uh, at different points, different sports, things like that. And um, in particular, I've had the opportunity to uh, play some—not uh, play, but be able to coach uh, baseball. And so my my son Gideon has been on some uh, different baseball teams, and I've had the opportunity to help coach those teams, and it's it's always been great. Um, and I have not asked permission to share this in particular story because it involves someone that I don't have regular contact with. So I'm going to be vague, and it could literally be about probably half a dozen of some of his teammates over the years. So I'm not talking about any uh, in particular kids. So if you think it's you, um, it's probably someone else in case you're watching. So anyway, uh, we were in the midst of a game, and... Uh, it was a game that was related to playoffs. So it had some playoff implications. And so it was like as legit as uh, a game can be at their kind of age. And so there was a lot of excitement, a lot of um, tension around poor calls and different things like that. All the stuff that you guys know all too well, whether you're playing a sport right now or if you've played one in the past. And so there was some some tension and the long story short is they lost this game. And uh, when they lost this game, one of his teammates um, burst out in tears. In fact, started like yelling. It was it was rather unbelievable. It was startling uh, to me because I was close enough to kind of hear it. Not everyone could hear. It. Obviously, we're out in a field, but I was like, "Oh my goodness!" And then I thought he was hurt, and I realized, no, he's like devastated, and he's crying, and he falls to the ground, and I'm like, "Wow!" Like. I don't know if I care about anything like that in my life right now, you know, and his whole world is like coming, crashing down, and um, it wasn't Gideon, just full disclosure, um, but it was one of his teammates, that he was just absolutely devastated, his father came over, and he's like, come on, bud, it's all right, and he's like, no, no, it's not okay, dad, and he threw his glove down on the ground, and I was like, whoa, he's like, this it's the worst day of my life and just starts crying again i'm like man kid has had a really really easy life <laughs> if this right here is the worst moment and, uh, and he's like you're going to be all right you're going to be all right and he's like you don't know that you don't know that i was like wow this is getting kind of deep and he's like yes i do but it's going to be fine you lose games sometimes you win them sometimes you lose them and he's like you don't know you don't know you don't know how it feels and he's like looking at him, like his life is coming to an end. He's like, I have a pretty good idea, bud. It's okay. We got to get off the field. There's another team coming. And he's like, You don't understand. You don't even care. And he looks around. He's like, Look at them. They're just cheering. And the other team is like cheering, but they're thanking our team, right? Which I don't, I don't know why they do that. Like, thanks, other team, for losing, you know? Or thanks, other team, for beating us I I don't understand it's supposed to promote good sportsmanship but it really feels a lot like just heaping coals on (laughs) an already devastating moment and so they're like thanks they're like they're fine my life is over they're kind of like you know going off into the the distances and they're continuing to try to navigate it and his dad is kind of like sheepish apologizing we're like it's fine whatever you know and he's like thanks and they kind of head off and they get their participation trophy Oh, so much. So much that could be talked about, right? But anyway, the point is this. Uh, Our society, or even we as individuals, might hear that story and think that kid is a poor sport or he's a sore loser or all the things that we kind of label kids that respond that way or even adults that respond that way in losing. But the reality is when it comes to a child acting in that moment, they're acting in unedited version of what we all feel when we lose. There's this moment of devastation, there's this heartbreak on varying levels, but there's still this pain associated with a loss. And as we get older, if we mature, we're better at kind of navigating that tension. I say if we mature, because there's a lot of professional athletes that still like throw a pitch of fit and like freak out. And you're like, wow, kinda look like the kid on Gideon's field. But anyway, I'm just saying that because I want to ask you this question as we move into the text today. The question is this. Why do we want to be on the winning team? Why do we want to be on the winning team? Now, at face value, the question seems rather easy to answer. It's because we don't want to lose, right? <laughs> because we don't want to lose. But, and I know I've talked a little bit about poor sports, if you will, or people that function in a difficult way when it comes to processing a loss. And I mean, some people lose gracefully for sure they lose more gracefully than others but here is the truth the truth is nobody wants to lose nobody sets out saying hey i've put in the work i've done the effort i'm here today and it's time to lose gracefully like no one does that everybody if they're playing is playing to win the goal is to win no one enjoys losing why why is it that we want to win why do we want to win Let me submit a thought that either will be profound or maybe not so profound if you've thought about this before. As humans, we want to win because of how it makes us feel about ourselves. Think about that for a second. There's the moment where you're like, ah, we won. And actually studies have been done that when you lift your hand and you have a moment of victory that your testosterone actually increases, that there are things that get released in your brain that you actually feel better in that moment of victory. But the reality is we don't just want to feel good for a moment. We want to feel good about ourselves. As humans, we want to win because of how it makes us feel about ourselves. People that are on a team that never play and have the opportunity to win, are excited about being on a winning team. Fast Company, which is a business and leadership magazine, had an article in October 2015 called How to Tap into the Neuroscience of Winning. I remember actually uh, reading that article the first time, I had to look up as to when it was put out, but it, it was called, How to Tap into the Neuroscience of Winning. And the premise of the article, which is far deeper than what I'm going to get into today, the premise of the article is that when humans win, like I began to talk about, the brain releases what's called a dopamine rush, okay? And if you're familiar with a dopamine rush or anything like that, dopamine rush, I'm saying uh dopamine rush. I'm not saying a dopamine, just so you know. Anyway, sometimes when I say words together, I'm like, you're like, hmm. Anyway, so it's what's called a dopamine rush. If you're familiar with dopamine rush, the article talks about how we can actually leverage that moment that our brain experiences that to our benefit. And the re, the way that we leverage it to our benefit is we... we articulate goals, and then we accomplish those goals in the business world. And when we accomplish those goals, we as individuals or we as a team experience that sense of winning. And so we get that dopamine rush, and all of a sudden we feel like we're, we're almost addicted to achieving. Like, what are we going to do next? And if we can keep pacing people further and further, that as a team, we can actually get addicted to the dopamine rush of our brain, and we can have what's called a high-achieving team. Now, creepy and manipulative but nonetheless, a reality about how we can leverage the way our brain functions towards productivity. Scientifically, it literally feels good to win. It feels good to win. And conversely, when we lose, we feel bad about ourselves. We don't just feel bad. We feel bad about ourselves. It feels as if a part of our identity hangs in the balance. We've put in the work, we've done the effort, and it fell short. We have failed. Our team has failed. I am a failure. I can't believe this. This is the worst day of my life. Dad, you just don't understand. You don't know how I feel. And what he's saying in his unedited little prepubescent life is saying, listen, I don't have the, the ability to, to deal with the emotion I'm feeling. I'm just letting you know I feel less than as a result of what just happened here today. I feel bad about myself. That's the way we feel. We just learn how to deal with it differently, articulate it differently. But in order to feel good about ourselves, we define wins And then we try to achieve. Now, this already, as I mentioned, can work in business, but it's way harder in life. It's way harder in life, especially when you have well-intentioned parents and grandparents and different people that are letting you know what the definition of success is. Just so you know, the win is be married by 25. And just so you know, the win is give me a grandchild now. You know, like, I don't wanna. And so there's all these definitions of success and wins on the horizon and they're being imposed from all different ways. It's, it's way easier when we're talking about accomplishing a goal, but it's way harder in life. And the thing is, we only feel good about ourselves to the degree in which we believe we're winning, that we're winning at life. And even then, only for as long as the latest dopamine rush lasts. But we can have seasons where we feel like, man, I thought, I thought by this Christmas... As we're coming into the new year, I thought for sure this would be worked out in my life. I I knew that that there were some pieces that were missing, but man, I, I thought, we won't say it this way, but essentially I thought I'd be winning a little more than I'm winning right now. I feel like I'm losing. I don't like the way that makes me feel. There's a lot on the line when we're talking about this reality of life and definition of winning versus losing. And honestly, it sounds kind of depressing, right? <laughs> Doesn't it, when you start thinking about it? If we aren't careful, our one and only life will simply be chasing wins. Just chasing wins. A cycle of really high highs where we can't believe we're winning, we're doing it. We're really low lows. This is the worst day of my life. As humans, if we kind of uh, incentivize wins, we can even change our behaviors. There's a, there's a whole mess of books written on habits and how to adjust our habits. But ultimately, by rewarding ourselves to overcome certain habits, at best, we modify our behavior. We quite literally need to be saved from ourselves. If we look at today's text I think it's no mistake that the first three verses of Psalm 98 that are so closely connected to this idea of joy contain the word salvation. Salvation takes place in all three of the first three verses. And it's interesting that the Hebrew word used for salvation in verse one, if you remember from last week, was a military word pointing to saving that is connected to a physical protection in victory that God won on our behalf. So God has won this physical victory on his own, with his own ability, with his strong right arm. And listen, we're winners because of the victory he has secured. As people that profess to be Christ followers, we are winners because of what Christ has done. And I know what that sounds like. It sounds an awful lot like, hey, hey, buddy you're a winner. You're a winner because mom and dad say you're a winner. So you're all right. Buck up with dad. I lost. I know, but you're a winner. Mommy thinks you're handsome. Let's see that participation trophy again. You know, <laughs> like I hate it. I think I hate me. And mommy is kind of creepy for thinking I'm handsome. But anyway, it's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> The point is this, I'm, I'm not talking to like, this. it's not this weird pep talk or this, this way to like buck up around holidays. Like, listen, you won because Jesus won. It, it runs way deeper, and I'm going to show it to you as we investigate these two verses. In the, New, in the Old Testament, which is where Psalm is found, the book of Psalms, is found in the Old Testament. If you remember what we've kind of talked about, it was written for Jewish people. And so it's making reference to something in the past that has implications in the future based on the tense in which it's written. So you see in verses two and three, the word for salvation is actually a different Hebrew word than the word used in verse one. And it means a deliverance victory. It's actually the root word for savior where we get the word savior. So salvation In verses two and three, are talking about something far different than in verse one. Verse two, it says, "The Lord has made known His salvation; He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations." So, get this: verse one is looking back at God securing the physical victory, which set the Israelites free from Egypt, and any. Israelite or Jewish person that's reading this text is realizing this reference is connected to a physical salvation. The only physical salvation that they've experienced from God is the deliverance from Egypt. And so it's talking very clearly about the Exodus and it's pointing forward to our deliverance from sin. Ultimately, the Exodus is pointing towards a savior that would lead us and deliver us from the sin that we deal with, that literally encapsulates and captures our soul. Because, why? Because of a savior. So salvation connected to a savior, entirely different. Of course, in succinct progression, and we'll get to that in a moment. Because of Jesus, we literally have victory over sin. We have victory over the sinfulness and the the issues of our life, the sin that separates us from God. We have victory because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. In fact, if we read the second half of verse two one more time, it says, he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations righteousness, like what does that mean? If, if you look at just righteousness by definition, you're kind of wondering how that is connected or why it kind of matters. But there's something that needs to be considered. When we're reading scripture, we need to consider the genre of the scripture that we're reading. And Psalm 98 is actually a poetry text. So why does that matter? It matters because the Hebrew word for righteousness here because of the, the fact that it is poetry, and I could go into a lot more in depth on here, but I'll just kind of state it as a matter of fact. Because of the interlinear parallelism, parallelism of a Hebrew poem, it means a word that we closest, the closest English word that we can get to is, um, I don't use this word, so I have to look at it, beneficent, beneficent is the right way to say that. Beneficent. And it is the right way to say it because I looked it up. So if you think I said it wrong, you don't know this word. (laughs) Just getting it out there. (laughs) Beneficent. It means beneficent act. All right. So you might be like, wow, what does that mean? I can't believe you don't know that. That's so embarrassing for you. Okay. That was my moment. That's the way Meredith feels all the time around me. So whew, feels good. Anyway, the, uh, the thing that it means in layman's term or in the typical language that we would use is this, a generous, merciful act. So righteousness in this portion, because of the fact that it is a poetry text, is actually referring to a, a generous, merciful act. So let's reread that kind of one more time. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has made known that he is our savior and he has revealed his generous, merciful act in the sight of the nations. Let's hold that thought for a second and go on to verse three. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So let's put all that together. If we put it all together, God remembering his covenant with Israel with love being his motivating factor, as Savior, because of his generosity and his mercy, get this, his saving events that he has done now transcend Israel and extend to all nations. That's the good news of the gospel. This is pointing to the reality that Jesus would come and die the death that we deserve. Advent is about Jesus arriving on our behalf. This text is talking about a physical savior that took place in the the exodus that was pointing ultimately to the the one that would come on our behalf and deliver us not from a, a country that is holding us captive, but rather the sin of our life that separates us from God. What have you and I done to earn God's grace and mercy? What have we done in and of ourselves? Nothing. Nothing. We can never be good enough. We can't. We can never follow the rules enough. We can never be without sin enough. <laughs> Listen, without Jesus arriving, we lose. We lose. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we prepare, no matter how much we modify our behavior, we lose but we also don't contribute to the win that he's already secured. (laughs) That's kind of devastating and amazing all at the same time. Let me say that one more time. Without Jesus arriving, we lose, but we also don't contribute to the win he has already secured. If you get that, if you really get it, if you really understand at the depths of your heart and mind what that means, then you can't help but live in wonder and joy wonder and joy and the graciousness and the mercy of our father that he's extended towards us that God has extended towards us not because we've earned it but because he loved us so much that he sent his son people that have won don't need to strive they don't need to strive there's no more striving from the team that realizes they've won there's only joy They're jumping up and down and thanking everyone else for playing. (laughs) There's joy because, why? Because the win has been secured. Their work has been paid off. But here's the deal. It's not work that we have done in and of ourselves. It is Jesus' strong right arm. It's God himself that has done a work that you could never do in and of yourselves. We would always fall short. And so we're winners today, not because we have earned it in some way, but because the person and work of Jesus has earned it on our behalf. As Priscilla so well articulated, you can strive your whole life and miss out on true joy. On true joy. If our victory has been secured because of the generosity of our Savior, then we are filled with joy and we live on mission as an active participant of His generosity towards others. Think about that. If we really understand, if our heart has been awoken by the reality that we are winners that don't need to strive then we don't celebrate off to the side pointing fingers and being like, we won, you lose, no. Because we haven't done the work necessary. And so because we are the beneficiaries of grace and generosity and mercy, then we have no other choice but to extend the same generosity, mercy, and grace to everyone else. That's why the gospel in this text, it requires something of us. As we go into this season, aware of the brokenness of of people and the loneliness of the holiday, people that are coming face-to-face with the reality that on some days they lose more often than they win. They feel broken and empty. They're frustrated about where they've arrived. They're starting yet another year, and they still have not fulfilled the things that they determined they would definitely do in 2021. They're searching for hope. They want joy. We are carriers for those of us that have interacted with the truth of the gospel and our hearts have been awoken to the reality of what it is that Christ has done. We have the ability to share that generously. And so the thing that it requires of us, I wanna ask you this question. The question is this, what is one way God is asking me to live generously? Now I realize that we just talked about some of our generosity in A Convoy of Hope offering that text. We talked a lot about stewardship but I'm not talking about um, financially and I'm not talking about um, even our time and talent in the typical ways that we might articulate that. The preaching and teaching team, as we talked about this application question, we realized that this act of generosity is really more missionally, that it is to live generously while on mission So there are times that we have to steward our gifts. We have to steward our time, our talent, and our treasure because of what it is that God is doing corporately. But there are other times that the Lord is calling us to to steward our time, our talent, and our treasure to live on mission and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so think missionally as you wrestle with this application about one way that God is asking you to live generously. Now, maybe there is the... uh, The way in which we consider generosity through finances and we have been generous and just to let you know um, we are going to be able to send a a checkout this week there are still funds coming in so if you haven't participated and want to you can uh, for one day to feed the world Uh, we're up over six thousand dollars now which is absolutely incredible and so super excited and just amazed and humbled and proud of the sacrifice that you guys have made to be generous in that way but let's take a moment and think about what it looks like to be generously, generous missionally in a slightly different way. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just so we can um, not be distracted by the worship team making their way up. You can just look at the floor if you don't want to close your eyes or if you're kind of freaked out by that. Uh, it's more just so you won't be distracted. I want you to consider first before we talk about this idea of living generously is the reality that we as individuals need to process the generosity extended towards us. So maybe as I was talking about what it looks like to be connected to uh, the Lord and walk in his generosity and the reality of what he's done for you. Maybe you sat there and said, but I haven't experienced that. Maybe you don't consider yourself a a follower of Jesus. You're still in the midst of, of searching, but today you want to cross that line and come into relationship with him. It's as simple as praying a prayer. And so the quietness of your mind, wherever you might find yourself, whether you're watching online or later or listening afterwards or if you're in this room, there's no specific words that need to be repeated or um, specific things that need to be said. It's just an an acknowledgement that Jesus died the death you deserve. And in the quietness right now, you can just say, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sin. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. Some variation of that begins a relationship. It begins a journey. And we want to walk alongside you in that journey. Don't want it to be an emotional decision or a moment. We also don't want to embarrass you. So to the degree in which you feel comfortable, we'd love to have a conversation with you, either following the service at the Next Steps table or maybe online. You can reach out to us through the website or you can email us and we'd love to talk about what the next steps could look like. For others of us in this room, When we think about what's one way God is asking me to live generously, maybe it means with our time, talent, and treasure in this way. Maybe we need to leverage our time to meet with someone that's hurting this week. To meet with someone that's hurting, to inconvenience the rhythms of our life, the busyness of our to-do list around the holidays, and to say, I'm going to meet with them to to just talk about what it looks like to overcome some of the devastation of life not because of our own striving, our own ability, but because of the grace of God. Maybe it just means meeting with someone. Our talent. What does it look like to leverage your gifts to bless someone? Maybe writing them a letter of encouragement, drawing them a picture, writing them a song. I know we have some really talented people in the room. What does it look like to leverage your talent? I don't pretend to know all the stuff you do and if I start going down a road, it could get kind of creepy about some of my ideas, but creatively thinking about what it, lever- what it looks like to leverage your talent towards being generous towards someone. What does it look like to give of your treasure? Think of this in your sphere of influence. Like I said, we've already done some significant things corporately, but in your sphere of influence, someone that you know that's hurting that maybe could just use a financial blessing and maybe you've been given extra this year. Or maybe it'll mean that you have a little sacrifice in yourself to bless someone else. I'm talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus, living generously because of what God has done for you. An act of love that expects nothing in return. I want to encourage you to consider what it looks like. What's one way that God is asking me to live generously? Let's pray together and then we'll respond in worship to him. Heavenly Father, we come before you today grateful, grateful for what you've done for us that we could never do for ourselves, that we can be winning at eternity because of what it is that you have done, because of the generosity and grace that you extend towards us. And Lord, would we not take that for ourselves and assume that, that this is just about us securing our faith, but rather that we would live on mission and be your hands and feet, that we would live generously in unique ways, that you would provide opportunity, divine appointments, Lord, that even now people would come to mind that we, that we just need to, to take some time to have a conversation with. Encourage them. Let them know that they're not forgotten in this season. Maybe take someone out to lunch or give a gift an extension of of grace and mercy because of what we've been given. Lord, we just declare ourselves available and we acknowledge what you have done and we worship you in spirit and in truth for it. We're so grateful.
3: Come on, church, let's stand together. Let's just enjoy the privilege of being able to worship together in this moment. We have lots of opportunity to worship throughout the week. Let's just enjoy the presence of God together. His presence changes everything, amen. just in this moment but all throughout the week god would you help us to be on mission would you help us to live generously with every moment of our lives as a response to your greatness as a response to what you've done as a response to the fact that we don't have to strive or figure it out on our own because you've already won we're so grateful for that so grateful for that well church we are officially uh, dismissing you here don't forget to check out the next steps table if you want to uh take any next steps throughout this week or in this month. Um, Remember, next week we're at a different location, but we're just going to stay here and we're going to worship a little longer with this song. If anybody wants to stay, if you want prayer, if you just want to kind of make an altar where you're at, we're going to be here another couple minutes. But otherwise, we will see you next Sunday at Mendon Church.